This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. All right, good Wednesday night to you, everyone. Coming off the uh, Yankees win over the Mets in the Subway Series finale as the two teams split the two games in Flushing earlier this season and then two games in the Bronx this week. So uh, no blood drawn by either this season Yankees getting a big performance by Carlos Rodon. Uh, So the Yankees really one step forward, one step back continues for them. You look at them since the All-Star break, and they really haven't made up much ground. They haven't lost much ground either. Uh, What they have done is gotten another step towards the return of Aaron Judge, which is really the only thing left out there that could turn around their entire season. But You know, as I've stated many times recently, this game was important because every game is important now between now uh, and the end of the regular season, frankly, because of the position the Yankees have put themselves in up until now. And the Mets the same way. We'll start off with the Yankees because they did win. Uh, Rodon was really big in this game, and it was a big start for him. You know, it's interesting. The pitching matchup tonight, two left-handers, two free agent acquisitions, Rodon for the Yankees and Jose Quintana for the Mets, and two guys who missed the entire first half of the season for their respective teams. And two very different situations because Rodon is here for the long run. Five-year, $162 million contract. His first start just before the All-Star break for a first start coming off missing three straight months to begin the season was fine against the Chicago Cubs. His next start against the Colorado Rockies was a little worse. And then his last start in Anaheim against the Angels was a disaster, both in the way that he pitched and in what happened when he walked off the mound blowing a sarcastic kiss to Yankee fans who were not happy with his performance, showing some really thin skin in just his third star pitching for the Yankees, and he wasn't even pitching in New York. So there was a spotlight on him tonight as he headed to the mound, uh, especially in light of the way the Yankees played last night, especially in light of the 9-3 loss and the chance of not only getting swept in this leg of the Subway Series, but losing the entire season series to a Mets team that, let's be honest, has underachieved more than the Yankees have. But Rodon really stepped up in this game, by far his best outing. And, you know, he showed you in this game what is possible when he is at his best. Now, he didn't give you a ton of length, 93 pitches. It was a hot night. It was a close game. He had to pitch out of a lot of jams. So it was not an easy 93 pitches for Carlos Rodon. But he pitched out of a couple of jams, got a big strikeout of Pete Alonzo, who absolutely destroyed the Yankees last night, got a big strikeout of the Mets slugger to end an inning, and goes five and two-thirds, one earned run allowed, strikes out four, and now all of a sudden you're starting to see Carlos Rodon in a different light. And... While there are many similarities between Rodon and Quintana coming into the game in terms of what they have done or more specifically what they haven't done for their new franchises since signing as free agents in the offseason, this might be or might have been Quintana's last start as a Met, his second start and his last start. And he was pretty good again. You know, he missed the first three months of the season. His first start back pitched five innings, gave up two earned runs. Today, six innings, gave up two earned runs. So 11 innings pitched, four earned runs, eight strikeouts, and two starts. Now, Quintana signed a two-year, $26 million contract. He's 34 years old. He's not a big part 
of the Mets' future plans. And if the Mets indeed do decide to be sellers leading up to the trade deadline next week, and this loss is another step in that direction, I don't know outside of David Robertson another player on this roster who would have more value and who's more reasonable to trade than Jose Quintana. You know, for the Yankees, the Rodon thing, they had to get him right. And I said this at the end of my show on Sunday, on Sunday morning right here, that it's it's not in the interest of any Yankee fans for the Yankees to come out tonight, Rodon's first start since the incident in Anaheim, and be on him from the beginning. That's not in the best interest of anyone. And we've seen the Yankee fans do that a lot lately with Joey Gallo, with Aaron Hicks, most recently with Josh Donaldson. And I'm not saying that those players did not deserve the derision that was aimed in their direction. But this is a guy who now he's made four starts for your franchise. He's supposed to be your number two starter. He clearly got off to a rocky start. He was rusty. He was coming off of an injury. And he's swooping back in in the middle of the season, pitching for a new team that top to bottom on this roster has been underachieving. It was a very, very rough entry into the season, the 2023 season, for Carlos Rodon. So he needed this tonight. And again, you liked what he saw. The emotion that he showed, getting out of some jams, pitching well in big spots, coming up with the big pitch in big spots. It was really the perfect answer to that disaster in Anaheim last week. Now, as far as the rest of the team goes, the Yankees are still not hitting. The bullpen was great, and this will be one of the games that Yankee fans point to next week when they want to say that this Yankees team is a contender because they have the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. Well, if you're one of those fans that still thinks that this is the best bullpen in baseball because their numbers suggest they are, then this was a night for you because Michael King got the Yankees out of the sixth. Wandy Peralta, a scoreless seventh. Tommy Canely, a scoreless eighth. Clay Holmes, a scoreless ninth with relative ease. So the bullpen goes three and a third shutout innings against a hapless Mets lineup. Quintana pitched well. Rodon pitched extremely well. And the Yankees earned the two-game split and the four-game split of the season series. So where does that leave them? Well, the biggest news for the Yankees is the possibility it has not been ruled out that the next time the Yankees are on the field, Friday in Baltimore against the first-place Orioles, may finally be the time that Aaron Judge returns to the Yankees since he injured himself in Los Angeles on June 3rd, colliding with the fence in right field. And the Yankees won that game, and that pushed their record to 35-25. and 25. They actually won the next night, the Sunday night game, the first one that Judge missed. But if you take it from the point where Judge went out of the lineup, they were 35-25 and 25 when he got hurt. And they went 19-23 and 23 without him. Now, if you take everything into consideration, the lack of hitting by Giancarlo Stanton, the massive two-month slump by Anthony Rizzo, think about it. Judge's entire absence coincided with with one of the worst two-month slumps of Anthony Rizzo's career. The continued underachievement of D.J. LeMahieu, 
Harrison Bader missed time during that stretch. Anthony Volpe got hot for a while and has since reverted to his struggling ways from earlier this season. Josh Donaldson continued to give you absolutely nothing. Really, only Glaber Torres has given you anything during those two months. So the fact that you were able to go 19 and 23, almost 500, four games below 500. And if you didn't mess around with the likes of Colorado and Anaheim coming out of the All-Star break, you would have been 500 or maybe a little above 500 without Judge, and you would have been in better position. But if Judge does indeed return on Friday night, then the best thing the Yankees can say that they were able to accomplish without Aaron Judge was that they did not bury themselves. And that's significant because if you look at the standings right now in the wild card race in the American League, the Yankees are two and a half games out of the final wild card spot. You've got Tampa, you've got Houston, and you've got Toronto. And then you have Boston. They're on the outside looking in. The Red Sox are a game and a half behind the Blue Jays, and it, the Yankees are two and a half behind the Blue Jays in a game behind the Red Sox. So the Yankees are still right there. And some of those teams have come back to the pack. You know, the Red Sox are still up and down. They've got excellent hitting like they usually do. They have suspect pitching. The Blue Jays haven't been able to find a lot of consistency. Neither have the Astros. They've battled some key injuries. The Rays have really come back to earth. They're still two and eight in their last 10 games. So that's one of the reasons the Yankees were able to hang around. And another has been the Yankees pitching. Garrett Cole continues to be one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. He's been a godsend for the Yankees. Clark Schmidt has pitched a lot better. Now you have Carlos Rodon added to the mix. And the bullpen has been good. You know, when I criticize the bullpen, or I guess I should say, when it sounds like I criticize the bullpen, I'm not saying they're no good. The Yankees' bullpen is good. I just don't think it's as good as they have appeared this season. And they also don't have a lot of guys in that bullpen that have been in big spots with the game on the line. But if Judge comes back on Friday with just under 62 games to play, 60 games exactly between now and the end of the season, comes back for the final 60 games... That changes everything. It really does. You know, Stanton has been a little bit better lately. Six home runs in his last 13 games. A little bit better. That's a pretty good pace. You're starting to see some signs from DJ LeMahieu. Like I said, Glaber Torres has been excellent. And then if you could put a performance like Carlos Rodon's tonight behind what Garrett Cole has given you all season long with the bullpen that's been above average all season long, then you do have the potential of a team that could get into the playoffs. So the best thing that the Yankees were able to accomplish in the absence of Aaron Judge is that they did not bury themselves. And unfortunately, as we swing things over to the losing team tonight, that's what the Mets have done. The Mets, they have buried themselves. I mean, think about that. We knew the Mets had that nice little surge going into the All-Star break where they won six straight games including the first of a three-game series in San Diego to wrap up the first half. And then they lost those final two games, and they were never able to regain that momentum. And the Mets right now are 47-54. and 54. So they're seven games below 500. Coming out of the All-Star break, they were 42-48. and 48. So they were six games below 500. So they've played less than 500 since the All-Star break. 
losing a series to the Dodgers, winning a series to the White Sox as they should have swept, losing a series to the Red Sox, and now they split this two-game series against the Yankees. And for the Mets, it really is just running in place. And when you fall 10 games below 500 and you fall 10 games back in the wild card race, never mind the division race, that's been long gone since the middle of June, but when you fall 10 games below 500, you cannot run in place, especially when you're 10 games below 500 in mid to late July. No, you need to play like 650 baseball the rest of the season just to get back into the conversation of being a 500 team, let alone a playoff team. And the Mets, again, have shown absolutely no indication that they're going to. Look, you keep because of what they did last year, because of the payroll, and because of the names on this team, you aren't, at least I'm not willing to completely 100% shut the door on the possibility of the Mets making a run. But let's be honest, the Mets aren't making a run. I mean, they're also they're, they're they're getting they're getting some key contributions from some key guys lately. I mean, Justin Verlander over the last month has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Justin Verlander has been over his last six to eight starts has been exactly what the Mets paid for, but Max Scherzer has not. And you go back to the end of last season when Max ran out of steam and then imploded in the wild card round against the Padres. And all of his ups and downs this year, there have been far more downs than ups. And his age and the fact that he has worn out the last couple of years at the end of the season, at some point it stops for everybody. And I think we're there with Max Scherzer. We're not there with Justin Verlander. Unfortunately for the Mets, if they did want to unload one of those guys, Scherzer's contract, because he's another an extra year into the contract than is Verlander, Scherzer's contract is easier to unload than Verlander's. But Verlander is pitching as well as anyone. In baseball right now, the guy is such a tough dude. We saw it again last night when he shut down the Yankees again. But it's one step forward, one to two steps back for the Mets. And now you have four games before the trade deadline, before they have to make a decision on what they're going to be. And I, I don't see it. I mean, look, they're hosting Washington at City Field. You have Senga, Scherzer, Carrasco, and Verlander. Those will be your four pitchers for the National Series. And then there's a day off on Monday. And then Tuesday, August 1st, is the trade deadline. And the Mets will be in Kansas City. Game will start at 8 o'clock, but the trade deadline will have come and gone by the time Jose Quintana, at this point, is scheduled to pitch for the Mets. Will he still be a Met at that point? Because all he's done in his two starts is raise his trade value. And maybe the Mets want to just pivot real quick and try to recoup something because... The only answer the Mets seem to have right now to improve their roster is by spending more money. There's not a lot of player development going on outside of Francisco Alvarez and what he's done this season. Uh, there's not a lot of arms in the pipeline. You know, the argument, besides the fact that probably no one wants to take them at $43 million a year, I'm talking about Scherzer and Verlander, the other argument why you don't want to trade those guys is if you trade those guys, who's pitching for you? You still need pitchers. You still need somebody to take the ball every five days. And at least Scherzer does that. And Verlander's doing that extremely well. So for the Mets, it's more of the same. Um, you know, they split the series. It was a nice night last night, a nice night for Pete Alonso. But at the end of this two-game series in the Bronx, they are exactly where they were at the beginning of this two-game series. And you could say the same for the Yankees. But again, the Yankees at least got another step closer to the return of Aaron Judge 
which seems like it might be really close, and they continue to not bury themselves. And if that's the silver lining now that we're talking about for a team with a second-highest payroll in Major League Baseball, well, welcome to New York Baseball in 2023. We'll get some post-game reaction from Yankee Stadium. Uh, we'll get to your calls as well, 1-800-919-3776. Here till midnight, Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. So the Yankees earned the split of the two-game series against the Mets, the four-game season series against the Mets. 3-1, to one, the final score at Yankee Stadium. A well-pitched game by Carlos Rodon. His second game in pinstripes for the Yankees. Uh, so it's a day off tomorrow, and then they head to Baltimore for a three-game weekend series against the first-place Orioles, beginning a very tough stretch of games that will see the Yankees host the Rays and the Houston Astros next week at Yankee Stadium. So here's Aaron Boone after the Yankees win. What is the message as they face Baltimore? Let's go, baby. They know that. We understand where we're at. You know, we're getting down to the final couple months. We understand how important these games are and how important these series are, and that's it's also the fun part of it. Okay, now the biggest question on everyone's mind, Boone asked after the game, will Aaron Judge play on Friday? I don't know yet. He came back here. He's back in New York, and we'll kind of see where we're at tomorrow. All right, so that's exciting. That's obviously as close to a commitment as there has been since Judge was injured in the very beginning of June. And it's been a long time. And as good as he was last season, his record-breaking 62 home runs, his near triple crown, um, I think we have even gotten a more clear understanding of Aaron Judge's value to this Yankees team by his absence this season. All right, let's get some reaction from you. Let's go to the phones and say hello to Spike in St. Pete. Hey, Spike. Hey, good to hear you, Pat. Uh, I'm trying to bridge the gap, you know, with uh, watching Catching Up on Baseball, a couple of observations. The Mets, are they're done. They're just done now. Uh, I don't know why they keep moving McNeil around. I know, I know the reasons. I'm just uh, being rhetorical. But, they, you know, keep the infield as is. He's a pretty good second baseman, and he's had a horrible year. And uh, it looked like the uh, Rodon, is that the way you pronounce the pitcher? It is. Yeah, well, he looks like, you know, what is he? This is a spring training, I would think. So, you know, he could be a, a something there. The Yankees have a much easier path to get in, but uh, my fear with the Yankees is that they'll get in, and no matter how many games they'll play, they'll average about a run and a half a game, which if you look up the last five playoff series, I'm pretty close, I would guess. They just don't hit in the playoffs, and they just they, they, they're, they're sloppy. They're just sloppy. The outfield play, and I'm tired of the excuses. And I feel bad. Most of my friends are Mets fans, and it's tough. It's just tough. They just there's a consistent and inconsistent consistency, and it's really a problem. Uh, the infield seems fine. If they kept McNeil at second, they finally found a catcher. I mean, I don't know. I asked Larry the other night, how well does he catch behind the plate? You know, and his fielding, he's just not as bad as you would think. I said, well, back in the head. And, and, you know, it's tough. It's just the reverse of last year. This time last year, both teams looked like they could even meet up at some point. So I'll bridge the gap until the football. And I feel 
you know, I don't know what's going to be in football. There's no Nostradamus here. We just don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do with the Jets. We know it will be better than what they had last year, but you don't know. Nobody knows, and no one plays in these preseason games. So, But it's good to hear you. I just wanted to catch up. Of course, I circled the date for NBA camp to open, <laughs> and then well, that's like you, you know, you. I was a little surprised that you said basketball. I know it's job related. I I know you have a passion for it, and you coach eight or ten year olds or whatever the age is now, and uh, you seem to really enjoy it. But uh, football, you're a football fan. You Giants fan? I grew up a Giants fan. Yes. You stayed that way? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Okay, I try, I, I, yeah, I try yeah. to be objective when I'm sitting in this seat, but uh, yeah. Thank you. It's hard to it's hard not to root. You know, it's really hard not to root. Uh, you grew up for the announcement. Phil Rizzuto was gone by the time you grew no, up. No, no, no. I grew up with Phil Rizzuto. All right, so you you know the knock on him. I loved him. Well, he so played for the team. Good. It's a little different. I think if, when you play for the team, you could root for the team. Yeah, but he was. He was extremely biased. I'll leave you with this. There was a famous, famous basketball announcer for the Celtics named Johnny Most. I'm sure course. you heard the score. Gravelly voice. That's right. And he he was as biased as they can. Yes, he was. But and he, he did not play for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. That's where, that's where I'm going. Anyway, enjoyable show. Good to hear you. And uh, the summer's... Uh, you get new voices, and they're all pretty good and interesting to listen to. So have a good shift. Appreciate it, Spike. Thanks, as always, for the call. You know, I think Aaron Rodgers. I know he said we don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to be. I know most of that call is about baseball. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be really good this year. You know, I don't know. I, I, I just get a sense that we're overthinking this Aaron Rodgers thing. He wasn't that bad last year. He really wasn't. You know, they went into that final week of the season in Detroit, that Sunday night game, the final game of the regular season with a chance to win and go to the playoffs. And Detroit at that point had turned their entire season around and that game was their Super Bowl. And that was their springboard for what I think is going to be a good season for Detroit this year. But Green Bay had it had just gotten so stale, the weapons, you know, slowly eroded or left the franchise and Rodgers was kind of the last man standing. His line wasn't the same as it was he was pretty good last year. He wasn't, you know, MVP caliber like he had been the previous two seasons. But you can't play at that level every single year. This Jets team is much better. Skill positions defensively is much better than that Green Bay team. And if you have watched Rodgers or listened to him or just observed his general demeanor ever since officially becoming a New York Jet he is like a guy who's got a new lease on life, even including, and this is very important, what he did today, agreeing to restructure his contract, basically leaving $33 million on the table to lock himself in for a two-year $75 million contract that essentially ensures that he will be a Jet this year and he will be a Jet next year. And I think that changes a lot of how Jets fans and the team itself can approach this season. But we'll stay on the baseball for now before we get into the football. Um, what this two-game series for the Yankees did accomplish, like I said, it got you another step closer to Aaron Judge hopefully returning. And you can, once that happens, make a serious run at this thing. Let's go to Robbie and Mass. Robbie, what's going on tonight? Hey, Pat. Been a while since I talked to you. Last time I talked to you was the Rangers season, so we talked about the Rangers quite a bit. So, uh, I'm not going to 
Yankees are never going to be good. I don't think Phil Cashman decides he's either out or decides that the Yankees are ever going to be sellers. Because, I mean, I know Aaron is coming back. The question is how, you know, good is he going to be when he's been out over a month? And this team is so ridiculous. I mean, first of all, I don't understand Aaron Boone. I mean, can he ever play the same damn lineup in the same damn batting order every night for a while? It's like, how can you find any consistency in anybody when you're constantly changing the batting order, constantly changing the lineup? The other thing, too, is, you know, we could have gotten a lot of players in the last, in the last few uh, years for some of these prospects. Volpe can't hit, Peraza can't hit, Cabrera can't hit. So what do the Yankees really have to trade for anybody at this point? Well, there's no, you think any franchises are going to be interested in, the, in these guys at all? Now, Volpe tonight, okay, I'll give you situational baseball. I don't like bunting in the sixth inning, but let's face it, Volpe hasn't been very good as far as his average goes. None of them are, except for Glaber, really. He's only 65. But yeah. uh, would you have bunted in the sixth inning to move those guys over? And then Hikashioka strikes out, and then LeMay gets picked off. I have never seen a group of veterans. Look at Rizzo. He gets four hits against the Royals. He can't hit against anybody else. I mean, this is a team of unathletic players. This is what Cashman puts together every year. How can the Yankee fans even take this team seriously to make a run? How can this team make a run? They stink. They only had 220 and 230. DJ LeMay walked three times last night, three times tonight. He's in 232 or something. What has happened to this guy? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I've been a Yankee fan since 1970. I watched Michael play short around 58 years old. By the way, Spike calls my show. Spike, if you're still listening, hey, buddy, call my show sometime. We'll be on Tuesday. So uh, he calls my show up in Massachusetts. But, you know, real, real, realistically, I, I, the Yankees are, and the Mets should be sellers, and they're not. The Mets might be sellers. But the Yankees will never be sellers, and they keep doing the same damn thing over and over. I mean, how do you acquire right-handed batters strike out at Yankee Stadium. I mean, Cashman is clueless. He's clueless. He won't trade his prospects that aren't very good. Keeps acquiring the same damn players every year. I mean, realistically, I mean, and Boone is just a, a complete idiot. How can you remove Bo Davids five and a third inning or five and two thirds? Let the guy pitch. You're going to burn out your bullpen. He does this all the time. But by the end of the, you know, September, these guys' arms are falling off. I mean, I, I didn't have a huge problem with that, Robbie. Yeah. Just because he's, he's in his fourth. Yeah. Well, he's in his fourth uh-huh. start back. Well, yeah, it's kind of like April Farm, you know. He's kind of like building up his, his uh, you know, endurance and so it forth. It is. But and it, it, it was a hot no night. Chance. It was a high-intensity night. There was a lot more intensity in that game than there is in a normal April game, too. Yeah, true. But, I mean, honestly, though, I just don't, you know, I just can't stand the fact how, you know, like Bader. What is Bader batting behind LeMayu? Bader had three hits tonight. It's like, what is LeMayu? What, what has happened to LeMayu? Can you figure it out? Can you, no. can you honestly figure out what's going on with him? I mean, no, I don't No, that's understand. been the biggest mystery of the season for me. And it wasn't even just this year. Last year, I chalked it yeah. up to he was right. injured, and you kept hoping right. he would come back and be at top of that lineup in the playoffs, and he and yeah. Ben Attendee, neither of them did. Right. But I chalked it up I mean, to he was injured last year. But this year, it's been the biggest mystery to me. You know, the Stanton thing isn't a mystery. Well, he stinks. Uh, the Rizzo thing, honestly, right. the Rizzo thing, honestly, right. isn't a mystery to me. The LeMahieu thing, it is, but these guys are all old. And, and you know, right. to your point, did you see? You know what was alarming today? Did you yeah. see? Have you seen Stanton just track a fly ball in right field? I mean, oh, it looks like, like God, it's like watching like when I was a kid, it was like gigantic robots, and it's it like, looks like he's going to fall over. Right. I mean, I heard um, before on Larry's show they were talking about. Uh, about the old judge coming back and playing right field. You can't put Stan in the outfield. It's ridiculous. He's, you know, it's amazing. He's 30, he's only 33 years old. He's like, he plays like he's 39 with all that bulking up and garbage. Yeah. That was the dumbest. I mean, no offense to Stan because he's been pretty good in the playoffs. But 
that was the dumbest thing Cashman ever did. Yeah. I mean, how can Cashman keep his job the way he keeps his job? I mean, to put it this way, this team is what? They're 40, I think they're 46 and 47 uh, under 500, except for when they beat Oakland and beat the Royals. I mean, yeah, again, you know, Yankee fans are smarter than this. It's, it's, it's baloney. Anyway, I'm just going to thought, and I wanted to ask you one more question. Are the acquisitions by the Rangers, are you happy with it? You're happy with the direction it's going? I think Chris Drury's clueless. I really do. I, I, I like, I like, I like uh, Wheeler. I think he's a good player, but he's 38 now. But I couldn't believe last year he traded an entire third line, and then he went out and got a, a, you know, a guy who you know, was hurt, and, and, and Tarasenko wasn't resigned. So I don't know what the Rangers really, what their plan is. And then they go out and they draft a right-wing guy, another right-winger. Like, what do they need a right-winger? This team, I swear to God, I've been a Rangers fan since, what, 1974? This organization never drafts a center why can't they ever draft a big center pass i don't get it man well the, never- the, the the funny thing is robbie and thanks for the call the the when the rangers make trade deadline acquisitions this when they make the splashy name and they made two last year first tarasenko and then patrick kane i remember you go back five or six years they traded for eric stall um those moves never really seem to pan out but it's when they make the moves of the, you know, middle six guys, the second line guys, the third line guys, the Tyler Motts, who they brought in the year before, and those, you know, the Frank Vetranos, those moves, not the, you know, big headliner names. Those moves are the ones that have um, been more successful for the Rangers than when they go out and make the big name move. They made the big name moves last year. It obviously didn't work. As far as this offseason for Chris Drury and the Rangers, um, they they are a and they've drafted very high, so I don't want to give them all the credit. Uh, but they have a lot of still either unproven or, in the case of Keandre Miller, proven good young talent that they had to start paying. Uh, plus some high end talents: Abanajed, uh, Shesterkin, um, Chris Kreider, those guys, Panarin. That they really didn't have many options to build up their roster this offseason. So in, in that regard, I think that's the best uh, he could have done. All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. More of your calls, 1-800-919-3776. More from Aaron Boone. Um, Aaron Judge, is he coming back on Friday? We don't know, but it sounds like he's getting awfully close, and that could change a lot of things for the Yankees, or will it? Well, not if you ask Robbie from Massachusetts, that's for sure. It's Pat O'Keefe here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Let's go, baby. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. More on the uh, finale of the Subway Series as the Yanks beat the Mets 3-1. Still not an offensive explosion for the Yankees. They get six hits. The Mets get four hits. Jose Quintana pitched well. Carlos Rodon pitched well. The Yankees' bullpen was terrific. Uh, You look at the middle of the Mets lineup. You had Vientos batting second in this game. Lindor 0 for 2, Alonzo after his big night 0 for 4, Tommy Pham 0 for 4, Jeff McNeil 0 for 3. McNeil was hit by a pitch, hit by a Rodon fastball right in the back. He was frustrated by it, took off his helmet and flinged it out onto the field and was down for quite a little while before getting to his feet and making his way to first base. Uh, There was an interaction between McNeil and Rodon later as McNeil ran off the field. It appeared on the yes camera that Rodon had mouthed, I'm sorry, to McNeil. I don't think it was sarcastic. It it looked, I mean, you know, you never know. Uh, It's something that you would say sarcastically, but um, it it looks sincere anyway. But here's McNeil after uh, his thoughts on getting hit by that fastball by Rodon. 
just frustration, you know, just got hit with a 96 mile an hour fastball. Just, I get a little frustrated sometimes, so just, uh, you know, a little upset, but, you know, I know it wasn't on purpose, you know, he's had a little bit of, you know, control issue the last few, few starts, and I know he's just trying to throw strikes there with, with the lead, and, um, you know, just one got away. It happens. There's a little, uh, backhanded compliment, uh, bringing up Rodon's control issues, his last three or four starts. Here's Buck Showalter. Now, remember last year when the Mets led the majors by a mile in getting hit by a pitch? It was a big B in Buck's bonnet, and uh, I think they're among the leaders, if not leading Major League Baseball in getting hit by a pitch again. So Showalter was asked about that after this Mets loss. Oh, I don't, you know, that that type of stuff. We know that if, if it was the case, I certainly wouldn't talk about it publicly. You know? well, I don't mean it's yeah. intentional, but I just mean... Yeah, but some of them, you know, so if it's not intentional, why are we doing it? Well, because you've been hit so much, you know. So, so two wrongs make a right? No, not necessarily, but you know, Whatever. I mean, yeah, you, I you know. sometimes expect guys to protect them. Yeah. Sometimes I've been on both sides of that. You know, it's certainly internally there. We, we talk about it a lot, but it's not something I'm certainly going to voice here. I mentioned Rodon spoke or said something to McNeil as he ran off the field. McNeil was asked what Rodon said to him. That's my bad. No one's trying to hit each other on purpose in that situation. It's a two to one or three to one ball game. It's a close game. I mean, one got away. So, you know, it's understandable and um, move on. All right, so there you go. It sounds like it was sincere. Harrison Bader had a big night, a uh, big night in the field, a uh, big night at the plate as well. Bader went three for four and scored a couple of runs. He's been one of the absolute bright spots in this Yankees lineup, just considering what the expectations for Harrison Bader are. Spoke with, yes, his Meredith Marakovitz afterwards about the starters and what the Yankees need from them going forward. A lot of zeros and a lot of innings, uh, and that's what we need. You know, pitching and defense are going to propel us, and the bats and the approach are going to come, uh, you know, as long as we keep putting up zeros up there and taking care of the baseball. You know, it's funny, last year, if you remember, the Yankees made a very strong effort to shore up their defense, and it worked. And that was one of the reasons why the first half of last season, they were on an historic pace in terms of winning games because they had gotten rid of Gary Sanchez. They brought in Jose Trevino, who shored up the defense behind the plate. Anthony Rizzo, a full season at first base. Josh Donaldson. Say what you want about his hitting, and it was putrid during his time in the Bronx, which I believe has come to an end. He was good last year and this year. He was a very good glove at third base. In the outfield, Aaron Judge is as good as any outfielder in Major League Baseball, tracking fly balls, knowing where to throw the ball, arm strength. He's the whole package. And then they made that controversial trade, sending Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader. It took a while for Bader to join the team, but he really tightened up the uh, Yankees outfield defense. So that was a heavy emphasis last year. But if you look this year, that is not the case. You know, Judge hasn't played in forever, and that makes a huge difference. Harrison Bader has missed a lot of time. He's missed pretty much half the game so far this season. Left field has been a revolving door of journeymen whose primary position is probably infield. Tonight it was Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Often it's Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, Billy McKinney last night let that ball drop in off the bat of Pete Alonso in the first inning that led to the first run of the game for the Mets. So the outfield defense in particular and the defense as a whole has not been sharp for the Yankees this season. That's just something else that has taken a step back here in 2023 for the Yankees. Oswald Peraza, who's supposed to be an excellent glove at shortstop, was starting at second base tonight, and I think they actually called it a hit, which was ridiculous. Michael Kay mentioned that on the broadcast, and I completely agree. I mean, it was a ground ball to second base. Peraza tried to charge, and it glanced off of his glove into the outfield, and somehow 
They called that a hit. But the Yankees' defense, just add that to the long list of things that have been lacking from this Yankees team this season. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, what's going on? Good evening, Mr. O'Keefe. I'm just, you know, uh, watch. I'm just going to hear talk about the game, um, the Yankee game. Shout out to the company. The, it, um, it is what it is. I, I, like I said, I don't turn down wins, but it's just more of like, what, what is this going to prove? Because they're bad against bad teams. And it's like watching games like this is just like another reminder of this team's going to get smoked in the playoffs, even if they make that final push. It's just not going to happen. Like the, and I think it's going to be embarrassing too because. Our, our corner outfielders from both right and left, it's like it's like holding your breath every time you see a fly ball go out to them. You, I, I, I don't, like, when, when everybody talks about the hitting, all I keep hearing is, you know, Ben Raider's comments of, you know, the analytics, and I'm just like, yeah, no, the reason that they're not getting, you know, actual base hits is because, they're probably too worried about their their hard hit rate or their exit loads or whatever, you know, analytic is not really analytic it has to deal with, you know, baseball from a, from an actual playing sense. It, it, it's, it, it, it's frustrating and maddening at this point. And even though I, I, I am happy for the win and I, and it does look like, you know, Rodon does have something in him. Because those last few starts, even though it is April, I'm like, did did we really just waste our money for the next seven years, seven to eight years? So we're, we're going to see how this turns out more for the future. But I I, I don't see it. I, I mentioned in this morning, I think that this is a 90-lose team if we're playing under the old schedule because the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and every, they would just be having fun with us and we, we would be the whooping boy in that division in this division, sadly. But we'll see how this season turns out. Well, we'll see this weekend. Always, Jose. Thanks for the call. And this is a big weekend. Now, the Yankees have played the Orioles well this year. They're probably the one team in Major League Baseball the Yankees have played better than everyone. Here's the thing, and Jose mentioned, you know, you cringe when you see the left fielder and the right fielder for the Yankees. If you're talking about the Yankees in context of going to the playoffs, the right fielder is going to be Aaron Judge because – if Judge comes back, there's a very good chance the Yankees get into the playoffs. And this Yankees team, if Rodon can be who the Yankees think they and, and it's it's way too early to say one way or another. You know, the first start was promising, second start was concerning, third start was awful, and tonight was really good. So that's four starts. It's been a mixed bag so far. This guy is still building up towards 100 pitches. But if he could be a bona fide number two starter, Garrett Cole is having his best season as a Yankee. You take Remember, all last season, and I know it didn't work out, but all last season, what did we say about the Mets? They're the team you don't want to face in the playoffs because of the two guys at the top of their rotation, Scherzer and DeGrom. If the Yankees can go into the postseason with something like that, with a Cole, Rodon, Nestor Cortez combination, and again, I maybe have been a little too harsh on the bullpen only in saying I don't think they're as good as they've pitched, but they are still good. So you have a good bullpen. You have two really good starters. A solid third starter if Nestor Cortez can come back. The best player in baseball in right field. The best hitter in baseball in right field. That's a team that could cause some 
problems for others in the postseason. It's funny, after everything that we've been through with the Yankees over the last few years, losing to, uh, well, primarily Tampa Bay. You know, I put Houston in a different class because when Houston beats the Yankees, they beat the Yankees because they're better than the Yankees. But all those times that the Yankees lost to Tampa Bay and the Yankees get into the playoffs and their bats go silent because they lose and they can't beat good pitching. Maybe the Yankees could be that team that comes from the wild card round and their pitchers get hot for a round or two and they make a run in the postseason. I'm not willing to completely rule that out just yet because of Cole, because of the possibility of what Rodon can be, because of the bullpen, and because of Aaron Judge. We've got to see what this team is like. If Aaron Judge comes back this weekend, early next week, whenever it is, it sounds like it's close. If Aaron Judge comes back, hits the ground running, plays like he did last season, then the entire scope of this season for the Yankees changes. It really does. More reaction from the Bronx. We'll get to the football as well. Training camps underway. Uh, plenty to talk about with the Jets and the Giants and plenty more here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Yanks beat the Mets 3-1. to On to Baltimore for the Yankees. The Mets have a four-game weekend series at home against the Washington Nationals that will take them right up to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Carlos Rodon went uh, for the Yankees five and two-thirds innings, nearly hit 100 pitches, 93 pitches, 61 of them for strikes. He was really good in this game. And the Yankees' defense um, did not help him out at times. Oh, it looks like they did give a fielding error to Peraza. I was talking about that earlier. They initially gave a base hit um, to, I forget who, who hit the ball to Peraza at second base that he just completely booted, but they did change it to an error. So Rodon had to pitch out of trouble a couple of times. Fifth inning, runners on base, two out, struck out Pete Alonso. Um, tried to get through the sixth, was taken out with two outs in the sixth inning. Michael King got the Yankees out of that inning. Rodon afterwards, after his big start on how hard he was trying to stay in the game there in the sixth inning. I was trying to stay in. I was trying to lobby for it, but I understood the, the call. I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, get a fresh arm in and, you know, he got out of it. He did his job. That was, that was Michael King. Uh, who got out of that on just three pitches. And again, you look at where Rodon came from last week in Anaheim, sarcastically blowing the kiss to Yankee fans uh, after a terrible start, just a terrible night start to finish last week for Rodon to where he was tonight after he was taken out, a standing ovation from the Yankee fans. It was nice to hear the fans happy with the performance. Just glad I got something to build off of. And, you know, the defense today, they you know, some hard balls hit, and they made some plays for me and, you know, had some offense early and scored some runs, and the bullpen shut down. We had a good game. Part of that defense was courtesy of Harrison Bader, who I mentioned offensively at three hits. His average is up to 259. His OPS is above 700, which for a Yankee is uh, sensational. And it was also Bader's first taste of the Subway Series, something he spoke about with Meredith Morakovitz. It absolutely met my expectations. It's a really good club over there, a lot of talent. They have the ability to put up a lot of runs in any inning. So the level of focus, the anticipation, everything building up to you know this game and uh, every inning is uh, exactly what I expected, and it's what I remember as a kid. So I'm just happy to be a part of it and happy one tonight. I wish they played six times, though. I hate this. It just it, it seems unfulfilling. And the Major League Baseball schedule now is just stupid anyway where you have to play every single team. I, I I don't understand why you have to play every single team in the National League 
I don't the Yankees. Bring back the old days. I don't need the Yankees to play the Colorado Rockies. I really don't. You know, the Dodgers is one thing. Obviously, the teams in the East, the Mets. I I hate sacrificing two Mets games. You know, so the Yankees could play an extra series in Pittsburgh or in you know the the Yankees went to Pittsburgh last year, and they played two games there, and the place was absolutely electric. I happened to go down and was part of the crowd for the game that the Pirates actually beat the Yankees. It was like the World Series for them. What? But if you do that every single season, if you do that every year, it's not as big a deal. Soccer fans, the U.S. and Netherlands just played to a one-all draw in the Women's World Cup. USA was down one nothing or 1-0, if you will, at halftime and battled back to earn the point. And uh, so USA, Netherlands, draw. And uh, USA appears to be on their way to the uh, to the knockout round, which is not unexpected at all. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on the uh, Giants and Jets and Aaron Rodgers' big announcement as we continue here at 98.7 ESPN New York. That's when men were men.